Kitchen Table Magic is sponsored by Card Kingdom. With fast shipping, the best card sleeves, deck boxes, binders, and all the modern, legacy, and commander staples you could ever want, Card Kingdom is there with the hookup. If you'd like to support the show, just use our affiliate link, cardkingdom.com KTM. Order your Guilds of Ravnica singles and sealed product now. You know you want that sweet Assassin's Trophy action. Great removal is, well, great. Thank you for supporting the show when you shop at cardkingdom.com KTM. Kitchen Table Magic is sponsored by Paragon City Games. They're a community-focused game store in Draper, Utah that cares deeply about their player base. I had the honor of being invited to Paragon City Games to film a vlog about their Heroes League Invitational Qualifier series. The players there love competitive magic. The store is super clean, open, friendly, and a great place to play magic. Their staff is super friendly and they have an amazing streaming setup to broadcast live feature matches. Talking about it doesn't do it justice, you'll have to go see the vlogs I made to know what I'm talking about. Just go to facebook.com slash ParagonCityGames and click on videos. I made one each on Standard, Modern, and Legacy. Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic, a storytelling podcast featuring the amazing people of the Magic the Gathering community. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Join me and my guests as we share stories about what MTG means to us, how we got started playing Magic, the ups, the downs, the hilarious stories, and everything in between. I'm talking to the dynamic duo, Megan and Maria of Good Luck High Five, formerly known as Magic the Amateuring. Megan Wolf and Maria Bartholdi have been making podcasts and videos about Magic for six years. Their fun and friendly content is great for new and casual players. Really, players of all kinds. Maria also sits at the news desk for the official Wizards of the Coast coverage of premier-level magic events such as Pro Tours and the World Championships. Megan also does coverage with articles and player interviews. I sat down with Megan and Maria to talk about the community they've built and the challenges of being content creators. I hope you enjoy my interview with Megan and Maria of Good Luck High Five. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and today I'm here with the bubbly Megan and Maria. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're pretty great. Good. I'm more sweaty than bubbly today, but <laughs> here we are. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely the middle of the summer. It's pretty hot here. Thank you so much, Megan and Maria, for joining the show. You two are pillars of the community, and we are so grateful to have your presence. Thank you. I'm made out of granite. <laughs> I'm made out of bread. <laughs> a bread pillar. Yes, I'm a bread pillar. That's my way to describe a baguette. A bread pillar? <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. That's how I order a baguette. <laughs> you both have such incredible humor and also improv, and your show is just based on everything that's positive and fun, and you bring so much positivity to the community. I'm so curious, how did Magic the Amateuring start? Ah, question for the ages. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually happened is Megan and I had a game night that we would r regularly attend with a mutual friend. And eventually one of the games that we learned to play at that game night was Magic. 
and we love games in general. So it only goes to show that, you know, if you love games, you will love playing Magic because Magic is the best game, right? And so we immediately fell in love with it. We learned to play together, which I think was very helpful because once you have somebody of your, you know, equal skill level or you're both starting out, it's a lot easier to learn and to maintain, I think. And I worked in radio for a while in my life, so I had a lot of podcasting equipment and eventually we're like, hey, we should do a podcast. And also Megan and I did improv together and studio. Yeah, basically exactly that. The improv definitely helps with humor and being able to speak freely and openly and like talk about ideas. The chemistry that the both of you have is just phenomenal. It's unparalleled in the magic community. The way you're able to rip off of each other's jokes and carry that positive energy forward. It's because I made Maria be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> just forced her. <laughs> I, yes, this is a true story. I met Maria. Uh, she had just moved to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. One of my very best friends had just moved away. I met Maria and I was like, I'm going to make this person be my best friend. Megan had secret plans. And then I, you know, and then I put those plans into motion and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess joining improv is a great way to meet people, right? Oh, absolutely. I think I'm of the opinion that literally everybody on the face of this planet should do improv. Yes. That's just a, a fact. It, it's useful to anybody in any walk of life and you'll come out the other side a more confident, happier, and probably like better person. And I just recommend it to everybody I know. So there you go. That's my pitch. Hi, we're here to pitch improv to you. (laughs) Yeah, we're not actually here to talk about anything magic related. But for the listening audience that may not be as familiar with how improv works, could you tell us what is the basic structure of how improv works? Improv is, at its essence, theater without a script. So you can either do short form, which is games, kind of like the old show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. I guess now the current show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Right? They brought it back. I don't know. Did they? they I think did. so. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, so that's like, you know, there's different like games and you do short scenes, each of which has its own game at the heart of it. Or long form, which is more just like a, you know, like a theater piece. It's 20, 25 minutes to an hour and a half. The basic tenet of improv, which a lot of people have heard, or maybe you haven't, is yes and, which is accepting a reality that whoever is with you in a scene has constructed and adding to that reality, accepting an idea or a concept or whatever is happening, and then building upon it. And I think those are building blocks that are great to use in business, at your job, with your friends and family, and in a podcast, for example. Hi, we're here to sell improv to you. <laughs> <laughs> Selling improv as a, as a technique and a practice for being open-minded and accepting of the world that comes before you, I guess. When I was in high school, I, was, I did just a tiny little bit of theater and there was, a, I guess, an exercise and it was yes and. And so they were like, I was like, how does this work? So they're like, okay, Sam, we'll get up there and we're going to do a scene. And so the first line someone said to me, the first word that came out of my mouth was no. And they go, eh, okay, get, get off get off you're done next and i just was like oh wow life comes at you fast (laughs) i mean that's not an unusual uh reaction for beginning improvisers because we sometimes think that arguing is very interesting i think and uh in the end arguing is generally not as interesting as we initially think that it is in any kind of scene work yeah and also when we're in a new scenario right like we like to exert some amount of control And saying no is a way to exert control over that scenario. So if someone's in a scene that you've never been in before and you're improvising for the first time, you're just like, 
no, I, I'm going to negate what you're saying just so that I feel like I'm in charge because this new experience is scary. Yes, new experiences are scary. And uh, what is being reminded of right now is a lot of these little philosophical concepts of going with the flow and just kind of being with it. There's obviously movements about mindfulness and kind of letting, kind of going with the flow and letting life kind of takes you where that is. So I definitely see improv as having, like I said, Maria, all of those benefits in business and life. You know, we were actually talking about this on our podcast the other day about being mindful when you're playing a game of magic and living in the moment when you're trying to decide what to do on your turn. Mm -hmm. And just general good life advice, good improv advice, and good magic advice, it turns out. Yes, and this is a great segue to your podcast and your show, Magic the Amateuring. Very much so, Magic the Amateuring has been there to bring out the fun aspects of magic, not necessarily all of the spiky or competitive aspects of magic. You two have done such a service for the magic community to be able to teach and guide newer players or players that are getting back into the game to feel very comfortable and at ease and at home in this really fun community that we have. And most importantly, you're teaching people not just basics, fundamentals, but just kind of also how to play the game, make it also more approachable, and also life lessons about mindfulness and how to play. Yeah, I think, you know, our original concept was we were learning how to play Magic, and so people could listen to our journey as we learned to play and grew as players. That, however, you know, we kind of grew out of. At some point, we've been doing the show now for six years and maybe a little longer and have kind of taken the show in a different direction. Well, we still hope it. it's, uh, you know, we always say at the top, Megan, what do you say? What's your <laughs> intro? Oh, what is it? Welcome to Magic the Amateuring, a show for people new to the game of magic, returning to the game of magic, trying to get better at the game of magic, or who ended up here on accident. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> now we'll take, you know, it's more like we'll take anybody. We... We love new players, we love older players, we love players trying to get better, and in fact, that's a big reason why we're actually going to change the name of the show coming up uh, later this month, actually. Wow, that's exciting. And recently, you even launched your new website, Good Luck High Five, which is yes. beautiful, yes. packed oh, full you. of content. Yeah, it's we're changing the name of the show, unsurprisingly, to Good Luck High Five, which <laughs> has kind of been our slogan over the years. And I think that really speaks loudly to where the community is headed and also what the community needs. Uh, the Magic the Gathering as a game started off very competitive, very spiky, kind of like brain, poker, chess, fantasy stuff. And now that it's so widely accepted by so many people around the world and has such a history and is ingrained in mainstream media, this good luck, high five, have fun concept is much more important for people that are wanting to play whatever and not necessarily sleeve up their cards, not necessarily have the most powerful things and not necessarily go to worlds. It's a hobby. It's a lifestyle, not so much a competitive endeavor. Magic can be played in any way that you want to play it. Not only do we have constructed formats, limited formats, we've got commander, we've got sealed, we've got drafted. You can play it however strategically and formally and competitively you want. You know, I personally like to play, wear a suit and a bow tie. Yeah, beautiful. When I play very formal magic. Very formal <laughs> very magic. Formal so magic. you're like yeah. Ben Bateman with his suit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a ball gown, a sl uh, glass slippers, and yes. a Mai Tai. A full orchestra. Ooh, yes. Is what I prefer when I am playing Every magic. time you draw, the yes. timpanis like do a little drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For real, I think a lot of people, at least in the community, sometimes look a little bit down on people who play the game more casually. And I don't quite know why that is because we need those people. Those people are great. Those people are the bulk of magic They're the players. Most, most people are those people, right? 
And so hopefully our show does a lot to, um, or as much as it can, to kind of bring all those groups together and say, hey, we don't have to, you know, listen to something separately. We can get what we need from in kind of one place. Maria, I think what you just said right now is fascinating because Wizards of the Coast as a company drives magic media forward in, you know, very different ways. It drives magic product forward in a casual sense. It also drives forward the Pro Tour and Grand Prix and the World Championships. And that's all very competitive focused. And from you have a media background and also a content background and a storytelling background and you know, also with improv, how do you see magic content driving and kind of synergizing the growth of the community? Oh, wow. That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm um, here for. <laughs> okay, well, it's it's several different ways. Like the way that I usually think about it is I think about the way that we promote the game through coverage, because that's kind of, you know, one of the hats that I wear in addition to doing the podcast and all that. And that was kind of what I used to do in my old job before I started doing magic full time. And I think um, the goal uh, is to make it more accessible for the viewer, especially in paper magic. And, um, you know, eventually I feel like we're going to be watching arena competitively too. I don't know if it exclusively, but at least alongside of, of paper tournaments and finding technology and ways to make the viewing experience more dynamic and accessible to people who are new to the game and wouldn't be able to follow it otherwise if they were just like birding somebody at a tournament, for instance, uh, which is kind of the way that it is now. But um, so that's that's kind of what I want to see uh, as far as like getting more people into the game through the way that the game is promoted through tournaments is what I think about the most. I don't know if that answers your question, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it does because I think that there's a very specific path and growth, especially for a company like Wizards that makes Magic the Gathering. Wizards has to see the incentive in the growth to be able to continue to do certain things because, you know, at the end of the day, it still is a business. I'm also very interested because you both have been such an important part of the magic community. You've done Magic the Amateuring as a podcast for so many years, so consistently. You've talked about so many different topics and the impact that you've had on players' lives is so important because both of you recognize the need for a certain kind of magic content, right? Like you guys didn't, um, you know, you didn't make the super spiky, you know, niche strategy site. You, you didn't do that. You didn't choose to do commander only or popper only or, you know, draft like Marshall decided to do limited resources. And, you know, I, I'm doing like interview storytelling for people and things like that. There are other content creators like Michelle that are doing uh, like Lore and Vorthos and, and Mike Lineman does art. And so everyone kind of has like their own thing thing. But what I think is very important is the way that the both of you have taken ushering new players in as a communication. I find that to be very fascinating and also very endearing. You know, we have always felt like it's one of the things that we want to do is make sure that new players feel like they have a place that they can go to listen. And they're listening to people who are on their side, people who are there to support them. Because at the end of the day, that's what I feel uh, we do and who we want to be to our listeners is is like, hey, like we're building, we're helping build a community that wants you in it. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, if we can be somewhere. Okay, so I used to be a DJ for a brief period in my life. And a piece of advice I was given when I was in the booth was always make it sound like you're having an awesome party. And this... <laughs> That is definitely not what's happening. You're sitting there by yourself in a computer. I kind of think of Magic the Amateur in the same way in that we want people to know that this kind of community that we hope to see in the world is something that they can find in our show. We are having an awesome party. Yes. Yeah. And they are and invited they are to invited. the party. And there is definitely hors d'oeuvres. 
Yes. <laughs> or d'oeuvres. And a full orchestra. Full orchestra. But they're like playing rock covers they're from play- the 80s. Yeah, they're playing. And 90s. <laughs> They're, They're playing, playing covers Journey. of Third Eye Blind, <laughs> but orchestral covers of yeah, Third Eye Blind. Yeah, it's great. Orchestral yeah, it's really covers. <laughs> Absolutely. Whenever I'm watching your podcast on YouTube, I know it's like a little weird to be like, why are you watching a podcast? But I really enjoy your YouTube content because watching the body language and watching you both laugh and smile and riff off of each other, that that to me is so satisfying. That It's like a dimension of your content that I don't just get through the podcast from an audience. Audio form. And, and that's really one thing that I, I love so much is the amount of positivity and energy and friendship that you can exude through one medium. And I think that's also very inspiring. You know, it's so funny because way back in the day, one we used to have a local game store that was like, hey, do you want us to make your video for you and put it up on our YouTube channel? And we were just like, no, (laughs) no, please. That sounds like too much work. We record the show in our pajamas in the dark. It's so true. Sometimes I still think back and I do sometimes miss the times when it was just like, we're just like curled up on the couch. Yeah. Wearing comfy clothes. Just, (laughs) we didn't have to do our hair. Exactly. And we just talk magic. Am I supposed to be doing my hair? (laughs) Google. <laughs> well, oh, one well. of us is doing yeah. our hair now. One of us is sometimes doing her hair. Uh, but <laughs> so, like, we understand the value of it, and a lot of people really do like the uh, YouTube version. But the truth of the matter is, we secretly wish we could go back to recording on a couch in the dark. Yes. <laughs> we understand why people want it, but oh boy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot more work, I'll say it that. It really is. You have such a beautiful set, and the set is like, you know, your little office, and it's it's evolved over the years and, and recently you were recording at home and now you have a brand new office that you get to enjoy. Yeah, we love it. I had to arm wrestle these IKEA shelves into place, but they're here now. Yeah, I'm very, very happy with how it looks and, and the space. There was just some point when I was editing one of our episode videos or something and it was we used to record in the upstairs of my house. And at one point, I didn't have air conditioning. And I oh, remember a, it was ju- so warm. a Judge Rob episode, and we just felt like we were going <laughs> to die. And I was editing, and I'm like, oh, we're putting so much time into the graphics, and it looks so good, and our content's great. But, like, the actual video is just, like, a room in my upstairs. <laughs> yes, where, like, the pictures would never uh, hang right. They couldn't be straight. They were always crooked. We yeah. could never get the frames in the background to <laughs> not be crooked. So I'm super excited to have, like, the full experience. The full experience including the set uh, in our videos now. Much of the time, the audience doesn't realize what creators go through to create a very specific curated piece of content. (laughs) I mean, I'm a podcaster. So from my standpoint, I used to record in my office at work. And uh, after hours, the building would like not have any air conditioning and you'd want to turn it off because it's really loud. I'd have to get to the point where I have to unplug the phones so that a phone call, a stray phone call doesn't come in and ruin the recording. (laughs) And and it's like really hot. and um, sometimes if the cafe next door, they like don't turn off their Uber Eats, it like blings in like the background. And I've had to like specifically edit those out using like spectral editing just to get rid of them from the recording. It's it's grueling. So I absolutely sympathize with 
what you've had to go through. It's like hot and like horrible and like it's like humid and the frames don't work out, but your graphics are on point. Like that's that's what's so important. <laughs> you know, uh, Josh Lee Kwai likes to say that you should record like in a little cubby with pillows surrounding your entire head and a microphone. And you know what? He's not wrong. You'll get great audio that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I record in my walk-in closet whenever I do the show's narrations. And so I, I set up my ironing board and I have like a little recorder and it's horrible, but it sounds great. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been a production designer for many years on graphics and so doing like consumer product and, and like online marketing and things. And so when I look at uh, content being produced, I can read in between the lines of all the effort that goes in. And, you know, both Marshall and Josh have talked about this concept of like infinite work. And the reason why uh, I think both of you are also so successful is the talent and the dedication and the hard work that you put into every square pixel and every millisecond of your content, that everything is always so wonderful and cheery and poppy. And it shines so much based on your aesthetic of the colors that you use and the graphics that you use and the music and the soundtrack and the way that you edit things. Everything just exudes high energy and fun-loving positivity. You were saying that, yeah, it, it takes a lot of energy to do that. But when I look at it, I, I see a different layer of like how possibly it was put together and how it was made. And that's something as, a, as another creator. I also really appreciate. Has your fan base ever talked to you about what that level of production means to them? I remember I still tell this when people tell people this when they ask us, um, because, you know, sometimes we meet other podcasters. I think of the ones that I meet in like other other fields. Um, I met a pair of podcasters from Louisville the other day who do a podcast about the paranormal. And we were just talking about like, hey, what, you know, what helps make a podcast good? What helps make a podcast successful? And I was like, I remember back in the day, um, and this was even before we, we had like such a solid studio setup of people being like, just the fact that you take the time to edit. It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the podcast makes a huge difference. And the fact that it doesn't sound like we're recording in, you know, like an echo dungeon. Echo dungeon. Yeah. An echo dungeon, which is where you trap a bat. In an echo dungeon. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. It's definitely one of the first things I tell people. And they're like, I want to do a podcast. I'm like, well, make sure you have good audio quality. It doesn't matter what you're saying because nobody will want to listen to you. And one of my favorite things that I used to do, I don't do anymore, was long form audio documentary. And oh my gosh, the, the amount of editing that goes into that. So there was kind of no way I wasn't going to do a podcast and edit it because <laughs> that's just just the way that I'm wired. Yeah, it's just more dynamic, I think. I think part of it too is, and this goes back to the improv piece, is that we've also heard people say just that we don't talk over each other, mm. which is less production and again, more improv. Yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of people just don't, people who are new to recording don't always realize that, that even a little bit of talking over each other is just so hard for people to follow. I didn't even think about that. Really? I still yeah. remember it. Also, those two things. I remember those two notes from back in the day. As far as the workload goes, I like something that Graham from Loading Ready Run says if people ask him, you know, like, you work for yourself, you've got your own business, this is awesome. Like, you know, how many how many hours do you work a week? Do you get to take several days off? And he's just always like, all, all of them. All of the time. All, all of, of the hours. We work every hour. <laughs> every hour. Every hour of every day. When's the last time you took a day off? Never. Never. <laughs> I'm yeah. never yeah. not thinking about this. It's true. <laughs> it's That is 100% true. That's really fascinating. I woke up this morning and I didn't know what day of the week it was because I work Saturday and Sunday and like at night, like, 
like whenever I have just a little bit of brain power, I'm like, I should edit that thing. Like I should, I think the graphics on that video need to be a little different. <laughs> so I completely understand. And I think that now um, as the internet is, I guess the internet is never fully matured, but as the uh, internet continues to move forward in time, um, audiences and the just, I guess the greater consumer base of media content gets to understand a little bit more about what it really takes to, to create content like this. Uh, looking at YouTube videos, there's always that one YouTube vlogger that like doesn't put any work into their stuff, but then like for some reason has like 6 million followers or some, it's, it's really weird. And then you've also got like other people who put a lot of effort into their content um, for the material in their content, but not necessarily the production quality of their content. So like, for example, Tim Ferriss, like he always talks about really in-depth topic, but like the, his production quality is like horrible and his editing is like horrible. <laughs> I'm like, how do you, how are you like the number one rated business podcast and you have like zero editing? And I'm, I'm so curious as to how, how as creators, Megan and Maria, how do both of you look at media growth and being able to grow a brand and how you balance content versus production quality and how you spend your time doing all of the things that require to grow up a brand? Wow, great question. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out the answer yes, to this the one. The answer is, is that every day we learn something new. Yeah, for sure. Mostly you learn about how all the ways you've been messing up. I mean, and you're constantly making mistakes. Oh, it's so true. For like, absolutely. Especially when you're putting out as much content and we are, and as quickly as we're turning it to, I, as an, as the editor, like, mm -hmm. have, there's been so many mess ups and I'll have to go back in and refinish it just because our schedule is so tight and our turnaround is sometimes, a lot of the time, the same day. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that, <laughs> struggle with for sure we want it we want to grow we want to be bigger than we are we want more people to know about us how to accomplish that we're not exactly sure we started the kind of pushing more content to youtube in earnest about a year ago i would say like we were putting up wednesday videos yeah you know we've seen it grow like just like it grows so very slowly it's still in the right direction but it's but it's very slow um, as far as like production quality to turnaround time, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I want it to look as good as it can possibly look, but I'm not going to kill myself over it because it's not worth it based on the number of views that we get, which are still relatively low for YouTube, I think, a lot of the time. Well, in my opinion, because I'm like comparing ourselves to like the biggest channels, right? So it's got to be a, an investment to return ratio that makes sense. And so you don't like lose your mind over it too, right? Mm -hmm. And then hopefully your your production quality is high enough to the point where you're ve still very proud of it. And you're like, this is good. And I can stand behind this, you know, but you also can't just labor over it into ad infinitum until like you just like have spent your entire day and then you're, you haven't thought at all about what you're going to do for your next thing. And I think that that's something that especially newer podcasters get really caught up in. Yeah. I know that I've talked to some that are just like, I've, I've spent so much time working on this episode. Like we recorded it a month ago and it's not released yet because I'm still tweaking it. And it's like, you need to first just be consistent in your scheduling. Right. That comes before perfecting your production. Yeah, for sure. And once you're, once you're like, okay, we're doing this once a week or, you know, for some people it's once every other week. It's like, great. Once you've got that schedule down, now you're going to figure out what your level of production is based on first your consistency, but consistency comes first. Yeah. It's definitely one of the most important things. If people can't rely on you, when are you going to- They're just not going to. They're just exactly. not going to. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, if they, you know, try and open your, open your podcast in Stitcher or whatever, and it's just like, oh, there's not an episode this week. It's like, well, okay, next time I'm going to click on a different podcast that I know is going to have an episode every time that I want to listen to one. I wish everything and everybody did put as much time and effort 
as they felt was appropriate into their stuff. I mean, that doesn't happen. And who knows the ways of the internet and why something goes viral or why somebody has so many hits and yet their values, production value is so low. Like, who knows? We'll never know. But uh, as far as we're concerned, we try and keep the level high enough for for the return we get from it and the viewers. I've always been curious about whether or not there's a production, I guess, creator's heuristic for what is a baseline amount of editing that someone can do. And for me, it's like, if you're if you're going to have a podcast and you're not going to edit anything at all, at least put a multiband compressor on it so that the audio levels are at least loud enough to listen to or put a limiter. Oh, yeah, it takes, it takes one second. It takes one second. And it's like, I want, there's never really like a handbook for these things, right? And then there's also like, you can get to the part where you take out all the breaths and um and spacing and of course that takes a then ton you've of time gone time. too far yes <laughs> then yes. you've gone too far right but just like basic audio and basic grading like that's enough like i think the next step above that in my opinion and again like from feedback that i've gotten is the putting in just little breaks like ours just have like the little musical like you know a one second musical interlude that helps break it up and even if what you're doing is going in afterwards and essentially artificially breaking it up saying hey we didn't technically mean to change subject here but these two subjects are different enough and it's been about 15 minutes since we had an audio transition i'm gonna put one in here because i've tried to listen to podcast podcasts where it's just 45 minutes or an hour through of people talking and I just my brain can't follow it and if you want to pause it there's no good place to pause it because it feels like it never stops and if you pause it you're not going to be comfortable coming back to it because you felt like you stopped it in the middle of a conversation and you know as a listener too that you're only going to be if this you know part doesn't specifically interest you 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 know it's only going to be a certain segment of the show so you're like oh right now they're talking about this but I know that coming up after this is going to be something else cool and now I just told everybody you've got a front sell your stuff that you're doing in your show (laughs) (laughs) That's also important. But yeah, no, I'm I'm totally on board for that. A lot of content creators talk about different platforms such as YouTube or Instagram or uh, Facebook that are able to provide analytics about about audiences and, and usage statistics. Podcasting doesn't have any of that. And so I don't know if you two as career uh, as career content creators have been ever thinking about staying with podcasting or saying, screw it, we're just we're going to go to Instagram TV or we're going to do Snapchat or we're going to make <laughs> YouTube vlogs at where you do have a high level of control and metrics over the kinds of watch statistics that your audience has so you can optimize and grow and I guess use all the tools that the algorithm gives you. Well, you know, I always say I have a face for podcasting. So <laughs> that's a limitation God. on. <laughs> I don't even do. know what Instagram TV is. I'm far too old uh, and uncool to know. The actual truth is we do use a service that gives us statistics. Um, that's where we host our show through. Blueberry is what we use to post the show and we get numbers, we get data on where these people are from and how old they are, that kind of stuff. How many downloads a week. And iTunes finally, after a million years, has rolled out statistics as well. So these are two very good steps forward. Could we have more granular data? Yeah, we probably could, but there are ways to get it. Also, there's only so much data that's useful for you at the end of the day, right? For a lot of the times for me, when I'm looking at, hey, if we want to continue to grow the podcast, the baseline number that I'm looking at is how many people are downloading it. Yeah. And beyond that... The and rest, when. Ex- and when, yeah. And those are the two big things. And after that, it's sort of like, well, the rest of this, I'm sure that I could 
parse some meaning into it if I really wanted to. But how many people are listening and when they're listening is enough for me already to make a plan. And you have so many social media channels available to you, like you just mentioned, to literally ask your consumers <laughs> of your content yeah. what they want or what they think or how they listen. Like, you know, we posted a poll on Twitter just a few weeks ago. Well, when do you listen to the latest episode? Do you listen to it the day it's released, the week it's released, a couple weeks later or a month or so later? And we got really good data on that. I mean, we're essentially asking our most connected fans, you know, how they listen to the show. And those are really the ones, you know, that we want to make sure we're delivering to the best because they've been with us for a long time and care about us and listen every week or whatever. And so, yeah, that's another way you can get useful data is just by reaching out, I think. I really appreciate all the discussion, Megan and Maria that we're talking about in terms of content creation. I mean, we definitely jumped into a magic podcast and we've talked very little about magic, but definitely I think uh, content creation, a lot of our fans are very interested in how you do what you do and also the core issues of how you think about life because really both of you structure your life around creating content and how to create better content in order to communicate and contribute to the rest of the community. Going forward, is there anything on the horizon for you, either personally or professionally or, you know, I understand some projects can't be shared, but is there anything going on that you can share with us about what's coming up? Well, number one is our name change. That's yeah. going to be a pretty big deal for us. Rebranding is very, yeah, I'll just say it, it's a dangerous undertaking um, because, you know, once people know you as something, sometimes it's hard for them to not know you as that anymore or know you as something different. So that is officially happening on August 24th. We're going to do a 24-hour stream for charity. Wow. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Magic the Amateuring, although that name will also change <laughs> after that. But yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest thing for us. We want to be able to let everybody know just from initially seeing our name of our show and of our YouTube channel, whatever, that they are welcome to listen, that this show is for them, right? We don't want people to think, oh, well, I'm not a beginning player. I can't listen to this. Because, you know, we certainly aren't beginning players. And though some of our content is geared towards them, the majority of our content is uh, geared towards people who play, you know, pretty regularly. So anyway, that's a that's going to be something that I hope will open the show up to more people who didn't think that it was for them previously. Very, very cool. Okay, everyone, we're going to have a quick break. But first, a word from our sponsors. Okay, Megan and Maria, you have a gift for our Patreon supporters. Could you tell us what it is? Yes. It is a signed copy of Skittering Surveyor. Skittering Surveyor. When Skittering Surveyor skits over the rocks, he sounds like this. He has many legs and a big heart. He's everybody's <laughs> favorite little telescope on legs. <laughs> now, this is a really wonderful, adorable little creature. And um, I wonder, have you ever wondered how it gets its energy to kind of walk around on its own, like being self-animated? Um, That's a great question. Solar power? Yeah. Or do you know what? Maybe it's just so delighted that <laughs> yeah. that's how it operates. It runs on pure delight. Exactly. It's like, look at me. If I'm great. you had several metal legs and a telescope nose, you would have a great time skittering over rocks yes. or on Dominaria. Maybe it's wind up. Oh, oh. that would be cool. It's like, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay, well, you heard it, everyone. We're going to have a whole bunch of copies of Skittering Surveyor signed by Megan and Maria. Thanks so much, you guys. Appreciate it. Thank of you. Course, thank you. If you'd like to get a signed card from Megan and Maria, head on over to patreon.com slash kitchen table magic and become a supporter. I tried to get as many copies of Skittering Surveyor as I could from Card Kingdom, but supplies are limited. All of my current Patreon supporters are getting one, and I have some extra for new supporters as well. Again, that's patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. 
Mucho thanks to Patreon supporters past, present, and future, who are amazing people that always opens the mythic rares they want in their pre-release pack. Thank you for your support. Kitchen Table Magic is sponsored by Card Kingdom. In my experiences ordering things online, I always hope everything goes well. Like, will I get my package quickly? Will my order be correct? With so many business interactions being digitized and becoming less personal, we care more about receiving great customer service. And you're probably wondering, how do I find an online store that embodies all the qualities that we're looking for these days? I decided to read what people were saying online about Card Kingdom. Lost Jedi 2003 says, Card Kingdom, hey, I just got my orders. Love, love the speed and efficiency from you guys. Thank you very much. Twitter user Gold Convoy got a robot soldier token hand-drawn and included in their order. Huge thank you to Card Kingdom for the custom token. I asked for a mechanical robot soldier token and it's beyond what I could have imagined. Kitoshi got a fully colored rainbow chameleon token drawn. Brock Bro says, Thank you, Card Kingdom. Ordered Friday, received Monday. Fast shipping is no lie. Love the pull tab tape job on the case. 39 cards. Rich Baranek says, At Command Cast, you were right. Card Kingdom ships fast. Wasn't expecting to have this for another week or two. Also, no one mentioned the awesome care they take in packaging the cards. Even professional football player Cassius Marsh gets his hard-to-find foils from Card Kingdom. It seems the people have spoken. From fast shipping logistics to great customer service, card selection, and also the care their fulfillment takes when packaging each order, Card Kingdom goes above and beyond. I even purchase all of my Patreon supporters' gifts from Card Kingdom. So if you're looking to purchase Magic the Gathering singles and sealed products online, Card Kingdom has been trusted by Magic players around the world. You can also show support for Kitchen Table Magic when you use our affiliate link, cardkingdom.com KTM. Again, that's cardkingdom.com KTM. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic is sponsored by Paragon City Games. I've been talking about Paragon City Games for some time now, and recently I've been invited to film three vlogs at their game store for their Heroes League Invitational series. It's a local tournament where the winners compete at a year-end Invitational. The player community there is wonderful, competitive, and fun. They have friendly staff that greet every single person that walks through the door. The store itself is huge, open, clean, bright, airy. There's beverages, snacks, clean restrooms, a fully loaded feature match area, and a high-tech streaming setup. The entire store is filled with huge open tables, enough to fit over 100 players. I played at an FNM there once, and there were four different formats going at the same time. They also have a huge selection of board games, magic singles, supplies, tokens, handcrafted wooden deck boxes, and artisanal diehard metal dice. If you want to see the vlogs I made for Paragon City Games, just go to facebook.com slash paragoncitygames and click on videos. I made three vlogs, one for each of their standard, modern, and legacy events. Paragon City Games has a commitment to legacy, and they're streaming legacy daily at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames. If you're ever in Draper, Utah, go check them out. And if you love legacy, watch their Twitch stream, again, at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames. They're a wonderful group of people, and I'm so grateful to have them as friends. Okay, everyone, and we are back. Megan, Maria, I have some rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready? Yes! Okay, rapid fire question number one. Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, what's your favorite color and why? This is Maria here. White. What? Yeah. Why? I mean, oh, do I have to say why? Uh, because it's generally in the constructed decks I like to play the most. 
which is tiny creatures that get universal buff effects or anthem effects to pump up the team and make them bigger. Mine is blue because it draws cards. Oh, I love that very much. And if you would pair those colors with another colors, which would you pair them with? So when I tell people my color pair, I say Rakdos, which is neither white nor <laughs> whatever. Okay, so uh, well, how, what would I say? I guess I would say, this is very hard for me. Green is my second favorite color. So that's this is really bizarre um, because I love creatures. I love creatures. And you so really do. I think that's why I say white and green, which is Celestia. But if you're like, which guild are you going to be drafting and what? What is it called? In Guilds of Ravnica. Guilds of Ravnica. Not this. The next one after Guilds of Ravnica. I'm going to be like, Rakdos all the way. You can't stop me. Figure out what that means. <laughs> um, the color I would pair with blue is more blue. Wow. <laughs> Purist. My second color is also blue. Accurate. I love it. I love it. Okay. Rapid fire question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? Wow. Um, my question would be, I would want more women to play. And hopefully this is somewhere that we'll be. And I think we're working towards there. It'd be great to go out to a tournament and see like 70% women. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just want to see more diversity in the player base. I love that. Rapid fire question number three. If you could give something to every Magic player, what would it be? I would give them a copy of Slippery Boggle blowing a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would give them the same like joyous feeling I get when I'm walking into a tournament hall. Oh, I love that. Just like a great bubbly happiness. I love that. A high five. Yeah, a high five. I love that. I love that. Nothing beats the excitement and the energy in the room of like several thousand Magic players excited to play the game they love. Yeah. Rapid fire question number four. What do you see in the future of Magic the Gathering? I see a plane populated by breakfast foods where the waffle is king and maple syrup is queen. <laughs> yes, I see I see a plane where Huey Lewis in the news rain. <laughs> this is these are our two planes that we joke about all the time when people are like, what plane would you make? And Megan's an I stole Megan's answer, which is a breakfast food plane. Yes. And my answer, which was an 80s hairband plane, specifically revolving around Huey Lewis in the news. Although I think someone told you that Huey Lewis in the news isn't hair. Oh, that's true. Somebody did tell me that. And that's that is but accurate. Undeniably 80s. But they have hair. Yes, they do. And they <laughs> sing the power of love, so Exactly. I love it. <laughs> and last, do you have any asks or requests of the listening audience? Oh, wow. I don't know. Just be excellent to each other. That's, I think I'm stealing that from somewhere, but I think that's a great way to put it, you know? Yeah. Stealing that from somewhere. I love how nebulous that sounds as though not everybody doesn't know. I read it on a sign somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. There was a Are cat. Are you kidding me? A cat hanging on a tree branch. That's hanging there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, just to be clear, you thought the cat hanging on a tree branch sign said, No, I meant to be was, excellent to each other. I meant it was like a, a sign like that. No, I believe that in your mind, the cat hanging on a tree branch says, Be excellent. That would be to each great. Other. Someone make me that sign, please. <laughs> um, anyways, go and teach someone to play magic. And I mean, really teach them. Teach them until they love the game. Teach them with a friend. <laughs> Kidnap them, tie them in a room, and exactly. teach them magic. Kidnap Eventually them until they love, love the game. It. Exactly. No, that's true. Uh, but I mean, it. Go, go out and teach someone. And of course, Magic the Amateuring is at goodluckhighfive.com on Twitter at MTACast, although that might change. Maria is on Twitter at Miss Maria Pants. And Megan is at Meg the Wolf with two Fs. And also, you can support Magic the Amateuring at patreon.com slash 
MTA cast for now, but it may change. So be on the lookout for that. I guess everyone should just go to goodluckhighfive.com. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. As long as you know what, the goodluckhighfive.com yeah. is a place that it will be and yeah. will not change. So there we are. Absolutely. And all of the links, if you are driving and can't write this all down, will be in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. And of course, I just want to take a moment to really appreciate the both of you, Megan and Maria. What you have done for the magic community is really, really foundational and also very, very important. You've brought so many players back into the game. You've helped usher so many new players. You've made this very difficult game very easy and fun and enjoyable and palatable and bright and filled with humor and laughter. And I also very much appreciate the energy that you bring every single day to your presence in the community as well as your content and then also what you're doing for coverage. I just love watching you on coverage, Maria. You're like, you have this great attitude and you're incredibly professional and you have these great outfits. And <laughs> also, I love... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I care about the most, obviously. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> Absolutely. Every single time I've seen you at the Pro Tour the GP, you're just, you've got these great dresses and blouses on that are like so wonderful. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I just love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I just wanted to thank you both immensely from the bottom of my heart. I am a huge fan and I am incredibly honored to have you both here. And I'm so excited to see all the contributions and all the things that you're going to be working on in the future for the magic community. So thank you so much to both of you. Of course. Thank you so much for having us on and for the great questions. High five. High five. Remember to be kind to each other. The person sitting across from you is just another human, and they're just trying their best. It could, in fact, be you from the future coming back to play your younger self and reminding you not to be a jerk. That's right. Treat every player as though they might be you from the future. <laughs> Great advice. Megan and Maria have completed their name change from Magic the Amateuring to Good Luck High Five. You can find them on Twitter at MegTheWolf with two Fs, at MissMariaPants, and at GLHFMagic. You can check out their awesome website, goodluckhighfive.com, all spelled out, and you can support them at patreon.com slash GLHFMagic. That's a lot to take in all at once, so I'll have all the links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. You can find Kitchen Table Magic on Twitter at KTM Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and I'm on Twitter at Samo Tango. Kitchen Table Magic is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Hipsters of the Coast, and mtgcast.com. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. Remember, I've got signed copies of Skittering Surveyor from Megan and Maria for our Patreon supporters. It's that time in our show now to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Brian, Marcus, James L., Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, Neil, Aaron C., Corey, Chad, Logan S., Nick, Eternal Dirtles, Matthias, Geraint, Scryfall, Matt, Ian, Carl, Yana, David, and Matthew. I really appreciate all the supporters of the show, past, present, and future. Your kind words on social media, likes, follows, shares, and reviews on Apple Podcasts help new listeners find the show. And thank you to everyone that's been sharing Kitchen Table Magic with your friends. Coming up in the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. The first time Evan contacted me and said, Hey, Ruben, do you want to do a podcast? I said no, because Evan was my boss at Star City Games and Evan fired me. And now I know that there was a lot more going on and we're cool now. But, you know, I was still not pleased. At first I was like, ah, that's not exactly a thing I'm interested in doing. But then I just, I, I looked back on it and thought about it some more and, you know, it was all water under the bridge at that point. It was just me being, you know, mentally petty, I guess. 
then Evan asked again, and I said, you know what, let's give it a shot. Who who should we get for our third? And we had a couple of ideas, but Aaron was really the one who, who meshed the best with us. And, and, you know, to this day, I think that the reason why the show works as well as it does is because of our three, you know, really well-spoken, but three very different voices. It's really fun when we disagree, because we all know that we love each other, so we can call each other names and be mad at each other in the moment. And we all also have good reasons for our various arguments. So when we disagree, it's always really fun and interesting digging into why we disagree on little tiny issues or, or, or even big issues within the magic community. Um, and so those are always a ton of fun. I'm talking to host, voice actor, comedian, poker player, and magic personality, Ruben Bressler. Ruben is one of the co-hosts of the popular Magic the Gathering news show, Magic Mics. Ruben has been creating content for Magic since the early days of internet video and tournament streaming. Along with its co-hosts Evan Irwin and Aaron Campbell, Magic Mike sets the bar for news and discussion for the Magic the Gathering community. Ruben also has a passion for Dungeons and & Dragons and is the host of the brand new Magic crossover on Saving Throw titled The Broken Pact, featuring the plane of Ravnica. Ruben gives us an exclusive first look into his new show, The Broken Pact, premiering Saturday, October 13th on twitch.tv slash dnd. You don't want to miss my very special interview with Ruben Bressler, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic.